Good evening. Once again, I come to you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and I hope and pray that our hearts are open to hear the Word of God tonight. And my heart as well. <clears throat> I approach the message tonight with, how can I say, a little bit of caution. Um... Maybe even a little bit of fear and trembling. Okay? I'm going to preach on something I feel led to that for some people it is a wonderful, precious memory. For other people it's not. Maybe even some regret and some remorse. And I don't share this this evening to open up, to open up old wounds, to tear off old scabs. For anyone, or to make anyone feel unduly guilty, but that we can all go from where we are to where God wants us, that we can grow in our walk with, with Him. I realize in a group this size, and I don't know you, I'm, I'm getting to know you some, but I have a long ways to go to get to remember everybody's name, but um, the group this size, I realize that sometimes there is some pain associated with our homes. Uh, some mistakes made, some things done. But I believe God is in the healing process. God is in the restoration process. And one of the things that I've been so blessed about working in prison, their, their homes are really messed up. I mean, there are, some of those men... When they come out, I don't know where they start, okay? There's one man there, his name is Benito. He's been there about ever since I, I've been going into prison. He, he did not come from a, from a church family. He didn't, his parents didn't go to church. A lot of them, they can at least trace it back to their grandmother. Their grandmother may have taken them to church, but these people, this man, no. His mother... And I could even be his father, were practiced witchcraft. Uh, they were not Christians. He ended up killing someone in front of his four year old son years ago. He got put in prison. And he began to hear the word of God. It was actually through the TV, TV program in his cell. And in December, Right around Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? Right around the year 2000. Okay. He got on his cell, on his hands and knees, and he accepted the Lord as his Savior. And he's changed. He is a changed man. In fact, he's one of the pillars in the church in prison now. God has done a wonderful work in his life. But you know, whenever we get something good, we want to share it with someone else. And he began to think about his family. And he began to pray for his family. And he was able to lead, I believe it was his son, I know for sure his mother, to the Lord in the visiting room at jail. And one of his testimonies is that as we surrender to God, God brings restoration. And sometimes I realize that things are done in the past that there can never be complete restoration. But for our part, we can have peace. 
you and your family? How is your relationships in your family? Is it close and harmonious? Or is, it, is there friction and distrust? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That, that can be as true in our families as well. New creatures at home. Now, I've, I'm getting to know you. I'm getting to, getting to know some of your names. But I don't really know you until I could be somewhere in your house, a little mouse in your house, and you not know I'm there. You know why that is? Because we are who we are at home when we don't know, one, know that there's anyone else around. God instituted the family. God, it's his, it's his idea, okay? Man's trying to mix it up and do different things. But the home is his idea. He instituted it. And yes, it's one man and one woman to make a marriage. One of the reasons that there is so much struggle and so much, so much, so many problems in marriages and homes today is because the devil has his eye, his sight set on whatever God instituted. Did you ever hear of a church split? Yeah. The devil has its, his eyes, his sights set on the church. He wants to divide the church the same way with the home. Because it's God's idea. It's God's institution. He set it up. And in, in our families, at home, we are more ourselves than anywhere else. I can preach all week. But for you to really know who I am, you need to ask my wife and my children. They'll tell you what I'm like. They know what I'm like. And I'll share, probably share a couple things tonight that might surprise you. I am not a perfect man, okay? And I have not been a perfect man at home. But we, we want, I believe the leaders here and I believe everyone here wants strong churches. In order for that, we need to have strong homes. And to have good relationships in the family, good relationships with brothers and sisters, good relationships with parents, good relationships in the marriage, we need to have a good relationship with God. Uh, actually, in this, in this passage here in 2 Corinthians 5, it says in verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. This reconcile here has the idea of bringing into harmony. Okay? When Adam and Eve sinned, they got out of harmony with God. And their sin affected not only their harmony with God, but with each other. Why? The first thing they did was blame one another. Ha! Ha! Adam said, it was that woman you gave me. Just not too long before that, he was like, whoa, man. I got a woman. She he gave, he created her for me. Now he said, you gave me that woman. That's the problem. Went to Eve. It was a serpent. The serpent beguiled me. 
Our homes, our families, and our backgrounds are very different. But I believe, with God's help, each one of us, as we surrender to God and allow Him to work in us, and we work on this relationship, God can bring restoration in this relationship and bring, bring peace and harmony. First point I have is five important ingredients for, a rela- for good relationships. Five, five ingredients. These are not all inclusive. You could probably think of many more. But I'd like to use these five, go through what these five are, and then apply it to husbands and fathers, mothers and, and, and wives, and then also children. I don't know what you would put first. But you know, as a father and a husband, I've failed so many times. I have failed. I have failed. I, yeah. But I, I, the first one I have is forgiveness. I have that first on my list. Ingredient. Important ingredient for good relationships. If we would not be human, we probably wouldn't need forgiveness. But we are human. Uh, there's misunderstandings. There's, there's problems. There's things that happen in the home and in the marriage uh, that are not right. And we need to learn to forgive. We expect people to forgive us. We need to learn to forgive. I remember as a little boy, my dad was still living, so I was probably less than 12. I don't know how old I was. But we had a farm five miles from, from the main farm. And I thought I was a man when I could drive a tractor from one farm to the other. And so one day I, I, drove, I drove the tractor from the other farm to the home farm. And as I was coming down past the one house, there's two houses on the farm. I was coming down past the one house. There went a groundhog. And so I just took the tractor and ran over Stopped right on it. Then I said, Dad, Dad, come kill this groundhog. Well, the wheel's on top of the head, okay? And the center rib on the tire was right on the head. And I backed off, and he said, I don't need to kill it. Wow, he said, you get an A-plus for driving. He said, you're quite the driver. Boy, my head just, whoo. And I went out and pulled in the shed to park it in the shed and smashed into the, to the baler. My great perfection wasn't so per- perfect after all. And see, we, that's who we are. We fail, sometimes intentionally, and sometimes we just plain fail. And we need to learn to realize that others do the same thing, and we need to learn to forgive. Forgiveness is to give up resentment against or the desire to punish. It has the idea of stop being angry with, to give up all claim to punish or exact penalty for an offense. This has anything to do with unfaithfulness in the marriage, to crash in the vehicle, to going across the floor with dirty shoes, to whatever. Okay? We need to learn to forgive. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
verses 14 and 15. Matthew 6, 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There we see the importance of forgiving to one another to receive forgiveness from the Father. And we all need that as well. We need forgiveness from the Father. Flip over to chapter 18. Matthew 18, 21 and 22. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now can't you just see Peter, he comes to the Lord Jesus and he says, how often do I have to forgive someone? Seven times? I bet he thought that was, wow, that's... And you think about it. Somebody does the same thing seven times. I forgive you. I forgive you. But then we're no more. Okay? Seven times. Jesus said 70 times seven. Don't even keep track. Okay? Forgive. We need to learn to forgive. We need to realize that we don't have to have everything. People don't have to pay for their offenses against us. We're willing to accept that. We're willing to forgive. We're willing to let that go. Second, we have, second one I have here is patience. Are we patient people? Are you patient with a lady at the cash register who messes up and is so slow? Especially with the person in front of you? Are you patient with Oh, this is where it gets me. I'm driving down the road and I'm in a hurry to get to church and somebody pulls out and pokes along, pokes along. It's like, ugh. Patience is the will or ability to wait or endure without complaint. Were you patient today? Was I patient today? The willingness or the ability to wait or endure without complaint. Patient is bearing or enduring Pain without complaint, without complaining or losing self-control, refusing to be provoked, provoked or angered by an insult. Do you know that every time you get mad, it's a choice? Do I realize every time I get mad, it's a choice? You say, no, wait a minute. But we can choose not to. It is possible to choose not to. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Paul's praying here for the people at Colossae. Colossians 1, 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Is that who we are? Is that who we are in the home? Is that who we are in the marriage? 
back a few years ago, uh, I was teaching school and busy teaching school. And Saturdays were pretty precious for me. And the first Saturday of the month, I would go to uh, the prison for a Spanish service. I had to be there by 1 o'clock. I had to leave around 12. I had to study to preach. But my wife, and don't get me wrong, it's not, I'm not blaming her. It's this man right here. But she was pleading for me to clean the chimney because she wanted to use the stove. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't need it's a new chimney. We don't need to clean it. She didn't want it to burn, okay? She didn't want a chimney fire. She very kindly went to the neighbors and got the cleaner and the rods to put with it and brought it to me. So all I would have to do is go clean it Saturday morning. Well, I didn't really want to do it. My attitude wasn't very good. So I went and got the neighbor's tractor, raised the loader up, Instead of getting a ladder, I used the tractor. I got to do it quick. Got to get it done. And I got up there, and the, the cleaner was too big for the hole, the, the chimney. But I was in a hurry, so I pushed it down, and I pushed it down, and I pushed it down. And I'm up in the peak of the roof, running this thing down. My wife and daughters are down inside the basement trying to clean this out. And I'm trying to get their attention, because I can't get it down. Then I get it down. I can't get it the whole way down because I don't have enough uh, rods on it. And I can't get it back out. And so I'm, get up here, get the tractor. Well, finally, they knew that I wanted them out there. So I went out there and stood on the loader and I told her to put me down. Well, she, she's already nervous because I'm worked up. And so she asked, just hit that lever a little bit. She goes, phew, she put me down. Oh, boy. That put the temperature up a little bit. And I jumped in my pickup, and I'm going to the hardware store to get another rod to put on the end of it. And I'm driving up there, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, What in the world are you doing? Look what you're doing to your family, and you're going to go preach to the men in prison that they should be saved. I went to the hardware store. I came back. We had a little family meeting. And I apologized, asked forgiveness. We went up. Somehow, I, to this day, I don't know how we got it out. But we finally got it out. And I went to prison. Before I preached, I told them the story. I just felt I had to get, tell someone. <laughs> uh, that it, You know, how, how, can I, how can we expect to reach out and touch lives if we can't reach touch our own? I'm embarrassed about that. Another thing that happened, and I was teaching school and I was trying to get my work done in the evenings. And I'd work till 5 30, 6 o'clock. I'd come home. And this night, a uh, minister's meeting was at our house. So I come home. The family had already eaten because they have to get to eat and get cleaned out so we can have a minister's meeting. And they had lunch or supper there for me. And I sat down and laid my hands, my arms on the table to eat supper, and somebody had been sitting in that place, and you can imagine what that looked like. I mean, my sleeves were all dirty. And I went like this, and I said, Someone get me a washcloth! And I turned and looked, and across the porch was our deacon walking, coming to minister's meeting. Boy, I was so embarrassed. But I apologize, but you know, I can thank God that, I, that he did that. 
Did he come across there? He didn't know I was <laughs> I'm sure he, he thought I needed help big time. <laughs> but why should it make a difference if he's there or not? This is my family. This is my wife. These are my daughters. This is who I claim I love the most. Do we have patience with our family? The third one is humbleness. Having or showing a conscientiousness of one's defects or shortcomings. Not proud, not self-assertive, modest, unpretentious. We need to recognize that we fail. So we need to learn to say three words. I am sorry. Maybe three more. I was wrong. We need to humble ourselves to the point that we're able to do that. To our families, to whoever we have contact with. Because if we work with people, we're going to fail. And we need to be humble enough to do that. I'm not going to take time to turn to it, but in Philippians 2, it talks about it. Being humble. Not to think more highly than we should. Look at Jesus, the example of Jesus. How he humbled himself to do the Father's will. Fourth thing I have is time. The limited amount of physical existence a person has each day and willing to share that with someone else for their benefit and good. For our relationships, for relationships in a family, I don't care which relationships you're talking about, it takes time. We need time. And we have, we, I know my tendency, well, I'll buy my wife roses for, for birthday, buy my, uh, for anniversary, I'll buy my children candy, and I, no, wait a minute, they want me. <laughs> my wife appreciates roses, but she wants me. My children want me at home. My children want time with me. Privileges, money, gifts will not take the place of time. Let's look at Mark's chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, 30 to 34. Notice how Jesus took time for people. Mark 6, 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They had just cut been sent out two by two, they came back, they were tired, they were rejoicing for what all God had done, God had done with through them. Verse 31, <clears throat> And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship. He's going to take his disciples and himself, and they're going to go out to a cabin for the weekend. They're going to get away. Guess what they found out when he got there, when they got there? Verse 33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. When they arrived at the cabin for the weekend, it was surrounded by people. Wouldn't that be a crash for your weekend? But notice verse 34. <coughs> and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were a sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. He just took time for them. Are we willing to take time? The fifth thing I have is honesty. Refraining from lying, cheating, or stealing. Being truthful, trustworthy, or upright. 
Sincerity, fairness, straightforwardness. Speak the truth in love. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two, <clears throat> verses eleven and twelve. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation or your conduct honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which ye, which they shall behold. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Conversation or conduct honest. Honest in the home. Honest with each other. So we have forgiveness, patience, humbleness, time, and honesty. Now we'd like to, we'd like to apply them to whatever situation you are, uh, role you play in your home. We're looking at husbands and fathers first. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers be not hindered. Dwell with them according to knowledge, or wisely. Understanding the differences. Did you hear what I said? Understanding the differences. I used to think that's just so different, and I don't understand. I'm like, I just know we're different, okay? But in order to dwell with them according to knowledge, we need to understand why. And we need to, we need to work with them and understand them. Appreciate the differences. Don't let the, the differences irritate us. But realize that God made us different and work together for his glory. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Dropping down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Husbands, we have a big responsibility. Love our wives as Christ loved the church. I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet. Christ, there was, not a, there was no selfishness in him. He was willing to do whatever. He was willing to love he loved the church that he gave his life. As we relate to our wives, do we show sacrificial love? Are we willing to sacrifice? Is it evident in our lives? Is it re responsible love? Are we a strong, compassionate leader? Are we standing up and taking our place? That doesn't mean that we're mean and we're dictators, but we are directors of the home. <clears throat> we are responsible for the wife's well-being. We are to watch out for her good. 
mentioned it before, but money is not the only thing that the wife needs. She needs time. She needs love. She needs help. She needs a listening ear. My wife and I have been working with a, with a couple. And I was telling the husband that he needs to listen to his wife. And his wife says, he needs to talk to me. Here he was the other way. He just wouldn't say anything. So I've been working with him to put input in his life, in, in her life. Well, the reason he doesn't talk to her is because he's afraid of getting, whenever he does open his mouth. But he's the, I mean, he's the husband. He's the leader. He needs to do it. The story is told that Jonathan Edwards was at a prayer meeting one time. Jonathan Edwards, the evangelist. And there was 800 men at this prayer meeting. And he received a note from a woman about one of the men in the audience. And this note said that there's a man in the audience who is mean, unloving, and inconsiderate. So he read the note to the 800 men. He said, this is the note I received. There's someone here like this. And would that man please raise their hand? 300 hands went up. <clears throat> if we're honest, we're not always what we should be. We need to be attentive and alert to what's going on. I know we, we compartmentalize and we, well, that belongs there. And why, why, why even worry about that? Because that happened yesterday. This is a different day. Now, wait a minute. They're concerned about relationships. And we need their input. Colossians chapter 3. Not all, but many husbands are also fathers, and that carries with it another responsibility. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Verse 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Not only do we have a big responsibility with our wives, but with our children as well. We are to love them, not be bitter against them. Do not provoke them. <clears throat> Do not be angry at them and, and irritate them. Um, I've seen some things already where fathers just irritate and, and tease to the point of exasperation. We shouldn't do that. We're going to lose their heart if we haven't already. Heard a story once of a father and a son who weren't getting along. And this was in the olden days when they thrashed. Anybody ever see a thrashing machine working? A few of you have. While they were thrashing, and you know you throw the sheaves into the thrashing machine, off the load into the thrashing machine. Well, they were arguing the argument. And the father got so angry at his, his son, he threw a sheaf towards the son. And it hit the son and knocked him into the thrashing machine. They said that, that father, many days, went to the graveyard, to his grave, and asked for forgiveness, pled with him. As fathers in the home, we need to have a family elder. We need to read the word and pray with them. Uh, take the time necessary to do that. We are responsible to take our children from birth 
which is total dependency. What can a baby do? A couple days old or a week old, nothing except cry. To more or less 20 years old when they're in total dependence or independence. That's a, that's a tremendous responsibility. To usher them through there and, and help them through the difficult times and know when to leave go and know when to hang on. We definitely need God. Fathers have a responsibility. It's God-given responsibility to be directors of the home. Responsible for the growth and the development of their children. Psalm 127, verse 3. For some reason that doesn't come to my mind. Lo, children are an heritage or inheritance of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are precious. Children are something that is more valuable than anything you have. I don't care how rich you are, children are more valuable than anything you have. We're responsible for them. I remember when our daughter was born and first placed in my arms, I was just about overwhelmed. Uh, God, the creator of the universe, places these little children in our hands. We have no experience. <coughs> Why don't they give them to us when we're 60? When we have all the answers. Of course, we think we have the answers till they come. Till you're pacing the floor and can't get them quiet, then you realize you don't have answers. But God's there, and God gives grace. And I'd like to encourage fathers with, with small children, with early teen children, be there for them. Take time for them. I know what it's like to, to, I know what it's like to all of a sudden wake up one day and realize I do not have my daughter's heart. And it's just like that heart is so elusive. It is gone. I praise God I got it back. There was a time when it was gone. It was, the relationship was gone. I didn't have her heart. Take time. Wives and mothers. Back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. For after this manner in old time, <coughs> the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters are ye are, as long as ye do well, and not afraid with any amazement. Now I know this whole passage frustrates society today and people who want to be free. But I want to tell you something, that some of the most beautiful things in life is a wife and a mother 
that takes their place. And I know I've, I've just been amazed at, at all my failures and my wife's still there for me. It's not because I'm so great, it's because she has a relationship with God. In subjection, submissive. Do you know what it actually means? Adapt yourself to them. You are to adapt yourself to your husbands. And I know I'm a man saying it, but that, from my understanding, the word of God, that's what it means. Adapt yourself to them. This can be a powerful testimony. Colossians 3.18 says, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. We, uh, <coughs> Genesis tells us that uh, Adam needed a help meet. And sometimes we think that means help meet the needs and help meet uh, financial obligations and we go on and on. Uh, I understand it to mean a completer. Men, we need help. Okay? We need help. We need someone to complete us. And the wife is the completer. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 5. Verses 21 through 24. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. As unto the Lord, as a service to the Lord. Forgiveness. Patience, humbleness, time, and honesty as a, as a wife in the home. And then you have children. You have a responsibility to guide the children, to run the home. I have a mother who is still a praying mother, and I know that today she's praying for me. My mother... I never remember growing up, and even after my dad passed away, I never remember her raising her voice to me, to none of us children. And we were pretty bad. We did some scandal things. I never remember her raising her voice. I can't say that. I've raised mine. You already know that. But Titus says that young women are to be sober, chaste, Love their husbands, love their children. Keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands. I'm a praying mother will do much more than a nagging mother. A praying mother is just invaluable. And I encourage you mothers, whenever it looks like your world is out of control, whether it's with the children, whether it's with the in-laws, whether it's with the husband, take time to pray. God will give you strength and wisdom to get through that situation so that nothing else will. What happens many times is whenever we feel lose, we're losing control and things aren't working, we try to gain control. And the first thing you know, we're trying to control people. And it doesn't work so well. There needs to be communication 
The wife and mother sets the atmosphere of the home. I remember the first time I saw or heard this next saying. My wife and I, soon after we were married, went to visit one of her cousins. And they had just had a set of twins. And these twins were in those little jumper seats that you hang from the ceiling. And they were, both of them were bouncing around. And they had a little sign on there. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I know that's not proper English, but it's true. Okay. Children. Children have a responsibility in the home. Let's go to over here in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Obey your parents. Most times, most times your parents are looking out for your good. When they ask you to do something, it's because they have a reason behind it. Okay? Learn to obey them. And I would like to encourage all children, but children especially between the ages of 13 and the time you leave home, whatever that is. Okay? And you're there in the home, listen to your parents. Yeah, they, you think they're old-fashioned. You think that they're not up with it. They can't. They don't even know how to do a cell phone or a computer. And you, you can do it. And I give my cell phone to my daughter to fix it sometimes. But you know someone who understands? There's someone who understands. Jesus knew more than his parents. From the time he was 12 until it appears like 30. He was subject to his parents. He obeyed. Honor, esteem, and value, father and mother. Be respectful. No, they're not perfect. I was sharing with someone today that one of my biggest struggles in life was when I was about 16. My father had passed away when I was 12. I was the oldest in the, in the family. And it was just a really frustrating. I had, I had cooled off and went away from God. I didn't have God. And I, I was just, just really frustrated with life. I ran around with some friends that didn't have a good relationship with their dad. And I can remember them fussing about their old man. I'll tell you something. I would have just loved to have a father. I don't know what it had been like if even at 12 years old, I was starting to rebel. I don't know what it would have been like if, I'd have, if he'd have lived and I'd have been 16. But be respectful. You don't have regrets if you don't do things like that. If you do things like that, you will have regrets. I had cousins in the state of Indiana that they were very embarrassed of their parents. When they go diving down the streets and they'd see some of their friends, they would duck down and hide so that their friends wouldn't know who their parents are. Never be ashamed who your parents are. Never be ashamed. You're going to have children someday, and they'll come back. Colossians 3 tells us to obey parents in all things. So we look at husbands and fathers. We look at mothers and wives. We look at children. 
We all contribute to the home. You are a part of a home. Maybe you're the only person in your home, and maybe there's quite a few in your home. But you contribute to your home. You contribute to the atmosphere and the well-being of your home. Our homes should be places of refuge. It is a nasty, cruel world out there. And we need a place to go home where it's safe. There are many children in the world today that don't have that. Our home should be that. It should be places of hospitality, places of nurture, places of love. Let's quickly go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, um, verses 4 and 5. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. I like the Spanish there on is not easily provoked. It says no se irrita, which is, is not irritated. You get irritated? Do I get irritated? Love is not easily irritated. Um, the Amplified says like this. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils ever with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. Is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Our homes are to be places of love, places of respect where we respect one another. Places of purity, places of devotion to God. Our homes are to be places of concern for each other, places of unselfishness, places of prayer and places of worship, places of openness and appreciation, places where we can go and unload, and places where we allow others to unload on us. In other words, we take time for each other. In other words, in our homes, there needs to be forgiveness, patience, humbleness. We need to take time, and we need to be honest. And in order for this to happen, we must have good relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order for our church to, to prosper, we must have strong family units. The devil is ra raging war on the homes. Fathers... Take your place, husbands, mothers, fulfill your place, wives, and children. Do not leave here tonight with unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart because of family relationships. I know we can't do it all. But like Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. We all contribute contribute to the relationships we have in the home. We either tear down our relationships or rebuild them. I'd like to read the words to the song, Happy the Home. Happy the home when God is there and love fills every breast. When one their wish and one their prayer and one their heavenly rest. 
Happy the home where Jesus' name is sweet to every ear, where children early lisp his fame and parents hold him dear. Happy the home where prayer is heard and praise is wont to rise, where parents love the sacred word and all its wisdom prize. Lord, let us in our homes agree the blessed peace to gain. Unite our hearts in love to thee and love to all will reign. There are many hurts and broken relationships and hate in homes today. We all need to do our part to forgive, to be patient, be humble, take time, and be honest. Will you make your home better or will you make your home bitter? Let's pray.